Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, hello. Hello, hello, ladies and and girls. Listeners, ladies and girls. Ladies and <laughs> listeners. <laughs> um, we've just had a sprawling off-air conversation, which I always hate to do without you guys eavesdropping. But um, we were just talking about basically how it feels it feels weird and and like a disconnect because obviously we've been getting on the pod and being chatting so happily and funnily and joking about fucking brothers if you're on the Patreon and et cetera, but which I was lying in bed last night tossing and turning over. <laughs> <laughs> it was some of our best audio today. Oh my God. But, but at the same time, how obviously it's still such an intense, devastating, horrific time in Gaza and that that's still so front of mind and it's it feels weird and you feel almost guilty to continue living your lives as normal but it's kind of like all you sort of can do while helping and I do think that getting into like a hole which I was most definitely in for a few weeks of like literal depression doesn't do anyone any good and um you know we obviously we're so privileged and so lucky to be able to continue living the lives that we have and it's just I think being so grateful and being so thankful and being so aware of our privilege and and how lucky we are is like so important right now. Like at Kylie Minogue, I was literally dancing at Kylie Minogue being like, I can't believe I'm here. I'm so grateful and lucky and thankful to be safe and to have like friends and family around me and a roof over my head. And I just think that's like such a important thing to keep front of mind and, and at the same time, continue pushing for a ceasefire. Um, because mm. now, yeah, 10,000 people have died, which is an astronomical number. 99.6% of those are civilians. So it's... It's it's just horrifying. It's, it's a very difficult 
time yeah to be on the world or be online and then you have stretches of time where you're not thinking about it or you're working you're doing things or celebrating or whatever and then retroactively I think you feel embarrassed or weird or I don't know it, it feels like a very confusing time to like navigate the world yeah and I think the fact I think that's the thing we talked about when we spoke about it a few weeks ago was um that idea of sort of getting used to it. And I don't think we are getting used to it because I don't think, you know, seeing like the videos and, and hearing the stories that we're hearing are, are just the most insane, devastating things we've ever heard. And I think we will have like a collective trauma after this, but at the same time, just not just kind of like, I think it's very easy to sort of not understand the magnitude of it. Like even just then I was reading a New York times article about how because people are pushing so hard for a ceasefire because of all the marches and because of all the talk about it and because of all the posting, which is incredible, um, Biden is feeling the pressure. I think they polled Americans and like 66% wanted a ceasefire. So he's feeling the pressure to put pressure on the Israeli um, Netanyahu to, to, to have a ceasefire or at least pauses. And I was reading this article and it said that Netanyahu said... Um, He'll consider little breaks of around an hour of bombing. So to put that into perspective, that's bombing every hour on the hour for 30 days. I mean, this was the thing as well that what's so complicated about this, I was thinking about this this week, is that ceasefires become the rallying cry, which is very, very important. And like you say, it's, it is having like a tangible effect. But I have this like fear as well that, a ceasefire will only be for any given short amount of time. I feel, you know, it's it's like a very yeah. um, sombering, depressing thought. Like you say, this idea of this concession of a ceasefire, it's it's just, it's always going to be a kind of temporary thing. It's not a Band-Aid solution. Yeah, everyone's celebrating about the ceasefire, but what does it mean? Where do we go from here? It's It's all, it's... It's really devastating. It's even crazy, like, thinking about the journalists on the ground who everyone's been following and, and you know, the faces that you kind of know off by heart now. They're, like, 24 years old and, like, 22 years old. It's just beyond the shit they're having to see and having to report on for their jobs. And I keep just thinking, like, one day we might wake up and they just might not be there anymore, and that's, like, a very real possibility. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, not to bring the vibes down, but just to let everyone know that this is still so front of mind and it and it should be for all of us and we should be so we should be using our privilege to kind of push for people who have less than us and petitions and marches and just continue pushing. But yeah, as you say, Grace, it's sad because where we go from here is a really complicated and and confusing and yeah, unclear thing, which I think is is terrible. And the stakes of it just feel, as we were saying before off air, like this, it just feels like the broader implications of what's happening and what it means for like humanity. It do, it all just does feel very existential and very like, I don't know, just big. I, I feel like we had this sense that coming out of the pandemic we'd gone through this horrible thing as a society and that we would like come out of that. And that would be the horrible thing that we went through. And like the fact that it's just been this like successive horror story of news since then. And that the implications of that feels makes you feel like that's not going to necessarily stop soon. I think there is just this general 
heaviness that everyone is feeling because it's not there isn't this this clear other side of no. it it feels like it's going to get everything's going to get a lot worse before it gets yeah better. and, and, and it's hopelessness like know. it's like the first march the first week of the marches in london i felt hopeful i felt empowered i felt like i don't know the sense of community being around these people the second week of the marches in la I felt the same. It was my first time marching in LA. I also, it also felt more intense because I was in a place that's like so supporting this and, and literally my taxpayer money is going towards it. Haven't paid taxes yet though, you fucking pricks. <laughs> Not gonna with, I'm gonna withhold them. Um, that And then the third week and the fourth week, I like literally every single Saturday since this began, I, like the last two weeks, I've just been like sobbing on the street, like just sobbing because it just feels helpless. It's like if there's 500,000 people marching, like, and, and we're not making a change, it does get, it does get you, <laughs> does get you down in the dumps, but it is obviously putting pressure on the governments. Um, So it is, it is making a difference. Yeah. I think it's this awareness that, so many people I've spoken to have had recently of stuff like world wars feeling so unimaginable and so far away. And the idea that like, you know, um, governments or, or just people not acting in the best interest of their citizens and the people that they're supposed to protect can happen on this mass scale. And that it doesn't really matter how many people get together or how wrong people know it is like, it, it just happens like the, the impulse for power and dominance and um violence and aggression on this mass scale that that that's at least what I feel <laughs> I'm trying to get my head around is that I, I I've carried this idea and I think it's weird that it coincides with turning 30 because I feel like I've always carried this very rosy rose tinted glasses which I'm sure many of us have idea that humans are good and the only times they're bad is like a bug in the system and it feels like this <laughs> experience recently of the last year of news stories as well I think is just and maybe it's getting older too is realizing that it's not a bug in the system it's like a it's a inherent part of human nature mm. is like the like power the, the desire to dominate the desire to you know what I mean to control to the willingness to stoop to levels of violence that are so unimaginable like just that that is something that I'm trying to get my head around and I guess can't because it's insane yeah or like when you think yeah I, I guess when you think back like I just watched um a very good new Netflix show actually all the light you cannot see based off, off that really famous mm. book um that came out a couple of years ago I don't even know the author's name but it's really good it's a four-part miniseries and it's set in Nazi occupied occupied France during World War II and even just seeing like mm -hmm. the soldiers coming in and like taking over Paris and everyone fleeing and then the bombs dropping like on this oh like obviously I know we lived in London and and like we're around places that have been bombed and stuff before but just like watching it and and just realizing just seeing like that regime and and I don't know it's it's just it's absolutely wild and like I think it's so easy to kind of dehumanize everyone back then like I think you're just sort of like how the fuck mm -hmm. could anyone have let that happen um mm -hmm. and then it's like yeah it's just like people had no fucking choice like I don't know just it's just the the amount of power 
that like governments and and stuff hold over us is like quite fucking scary and yeah it's really scary and then the impulse for yeah the the yeah power and money and money is power like that the actual impact of that and we walk around day to day not thinking too much about it and feeling a certain level of like freedom and ability to control you know what Mm -hmm. i mean we live in a democracy so if we raise our voices to a certain point we can control things we have this false sense of control that like from covid till now is really being like chipped away at i've never felt more i don't know what the word is powerless is maybe the word like uh yeah something i've never i've never had a better sense of how i'm just one little speck in this universe (laughs) more than recently yeah and it's even that thing of like yeah looking deeper into those how how they assert that power and how they like divide the rest of us is so interesting like even just learning about like I mean, it's like such a thing with like the model minority, you know, like Asians, Mm -hmm. Asian Americans being like favored as the minority group. And then that creates racism between other races who aren't like white. So it's like, Mm -hmm. yeah, I don't know, black people, racist, Indian people, racist towards black people or like there becomes this pole, this like, uh, sorry, what is it? Like ladder that goes down because everyone's asserting power over the other person trying to get closer to the top of like the white Mm -hmm. supremacy ladder. Like it's all so crazy. And like in Australia, again, I don't want to go too deep into this because this conversation will just depress us and therefore you (laughs) listening to tears. But I think there was this, there's been so many domestic violence murders in Australia in the last couple of like month. I think there was like, 10 in six weeks or something and some of them are just the details of them I just can't get out of my brain and can't stop thinking about and it's even that feeling of like women make are making all of these all this headway in society in all of these really tangible important ways that we all feel like things are changing and then you're just like but men can just kill us with their bare hands Mm. if they want to like anyway, like that, like that reminder as well. This idea that like the, the there are power dynamics that we work so hard to push through, and like we are pushing through them. But yeah, like you're saying, there's this hierarchical thing in society yeah. that we keep trying to like. Well, like how there's so much racism down. towards Greek people in Australia. <laughs> like you don't even like know that until you move there. Like it's like it's like what? It's just there's just racism like everywhere between like to try and break everyone up. I don't know. It's it's wild. But yeah, my friend last night, he literally was out around my at my house for dinner and was like, This is we need to change subjects. It's so depressing. Just kidding. But um he was just like, Oh yeah, and I don't even know how this came up and he was like, Yeah, and the the murder of that girl in New Zealand last year and her dad and her dog and I was like, Oh yeah, that was my friend. You know? Like mm. it's so mm-hmm. crazy that that happened last year. Like just the amount of shit that's yeah, it all, like, feels closer to, like, obviously that was literally, like, close to home. Fucking horrendous. But it, it all feels, clo- I feel like in the past these news stories felt so far away. I think maybe that's what it is. It felt like there was this huge distance between horrifying things you saw on the news and your life. And it feels like maybe the older you get or maybe it's the way social media works or maybe it's whatever. But it just feels like that gap is getting smaller and smaller. And you're like, oh, these are people just like yeah. you and me. These are literally just people that, like, want all the same things that we do. Like, it's just, yeah. 
luck of luck of the fucking draw that's like something you just don't think about when you're younger i don't think like i caught myself this is gonna sound so uneducated but i like caught myself kind of double glancing at a girl in gaza who was like recording because she had like her nails done you know she just had like a Mm -hmm. really nice manicure and i and i was like oh my god before this she was sitting at a nail salon having her nails done and now she's on in rubble on the street like it's beyond. Mm. And yeah, and I think because we were younger, like with 9-11, we just didn't understand what the fuck was going on. We were like, go and get the baddies. Like, and no yeah, idea what yeah. that meant for for civilians and, and yeah, literal people. It's, it's crazy. And I yeah. think, yeah, it's, it's so important to continue doing our research and, um, yeah, listening to podcasts, watching documentaries, reading books, um, and educating ourselves even if we don't feel comfortable, like, publicly speaking um, just to know what's going on in the world around us. I think that's where we can get our power back. Knowledge is power. Knowledge is power. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Knowledge is <laughs> a depressing, a depressing 15. <laughs> uh, okay. That was our, what do we call it? Our, our vibe check. Our mental, our check-in. Um, um, our vibe check. I just felt it was important. Cause I was like, it's, it just feels I so totally disingenuous agree. to like, I don't know, just act like everything is fine on the podcast when everything is not fine. <laughs> talk like that off yeah. air then talk yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, exactly. this has always been our thing is that whatever we're saying off air is probably exactly the thing. What like, we should be talking about. That was about. our big first thing. This is when we found our groove as AWD is when we started recording what we were saying before we started recording <laughs> instead of what we planned to say. Yeah, exactly. Like last week's Patreon oh episode God. where we were just like, we haven't done any prep and then we talked for so long and everyone loved it (laughs) um yes that was that was a good one okay changing the subject changing it up it feels a bit weird to delve into something that is like a personal celebration an awdp brain (laughs) celebration but we must as you say continue feeling so privileged and so blessed that with us today we have the new editor of l australia (laughs) Wait, why did you write editor and not editor-in-chief? Was that just because you just like writing editor? It's like a a company thing that they don't do EIC anymore, which I actually kind of understand. I know EIC sounds more sophisticated, but it is a bit of an odd fish of a title in chief. (laughs) The chief. (laughs) Okay, chief. Chief of the magazine. Yes. But so exciting. exciting. I was so happy to be in london when grace found out about it we were actually out for a bougie pre-birthday champagne lunch yes we never talked about that did we talk about that fun lunch that would have made a good episode after that i was so lit i was just like walking around soho we were so drunk we were ordering like and crazy 15 pound glasses of champagne and he just kept topping us up we were like get it boy what's his name Kevin, kevin david kevin kevin he was like Kevin. 80. Shout out to Kevin. Yes, we had a little celebration then. No one better for the job. Also in like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It just felt so cute to me when you, were, when you told me because Al, I know that your first internship was Vogue, right? But like Al was yes. where you had your first, was where you wrote your first ever print feature, right? Yes. Yeah. So cute. And she showed me the Facebook post like years ago of her holding up open, an open L magazine. That's what you should have fucking posted, you pussy. 
I know I did track it down somewhere. The Facebook the Facebook photo will get its its day its day in court, but it's not, not yet. Not for the gram. <laughs> not for the chic gram. It could be a slider, maybe. When yeah. The- First issue. But yeah, no, it feels really exciting. I think I think the thing that's always resonated the most about Elle is this idea of looking at fashion from this more sort of holistic lens, bringing in books and pop culture and politics and, um, you know, really longer reads. It's, it's, it's a smart magazine. It just feels like the scope within that is so huge because, as we know with this podcast, there are a lot of really fucking smart women who are looking – for that kind of content. So yeah, I'm really excited. And we're bringing it back. It hasn't been published in Australia for, it'll be four years when we come back in March. So that's also a really fun opportunity to, you know, start from scratch in some ways and and do something new and and kind of different. It feels really fun. (laughs) That's really sweet. Um, I'm so excited. No one better for the job. Also, we were like laughing when we were out for lunch because I was like, I was like, come to think of it you have made some like smart career moves by accident like they yeah, just it, launching it was, like yeah. parfum and like doing such an incredible job at having like this independent magazine and like yeah it just made so much sense when they said that and I was like oh my god yes I mean I always knew you were going to edit a magazine didn't think it would be quite so soon sound like your parents <laughs> mom I mean I it, it was that really weird thing where I it just felt like all these this is what gets strange as you get older. It felt like all these weird things had aligned in this very bizarre way. Yeah. Which was really, 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 really nice. I've got a few comments being like, this is not very pea brain of you. I was like, I know. No, someone said you need to, someone who got 130 likes, one of them was me. Really? Yeah. Your comments, the post has gone viral, Grace. (laughs) I had to, I had to put my phone away. I was having like a vulnerability hangover thing and I just had to delete Instagram off my phone, but I only lasted like an hour and then I was like, refreshing like a maniac I know I was doing that I was like I've been in there like four separate times scrolling because obviously we know so many of the same people the well wishes yeah Yeah. and then yeah a girl said something like have to officially um retire the p-brain title now and she got 130 likes Um, my my comment got fucking like 50 likes and all I said was yes she is (laughs) it's all the awd girlies I love oh, it. The girlie's coming so out. So nice. Um, oh, I was trying to go onto your Instagram, but it just opened a video. Uh, oh, man. You'll be working with my former my former editor-in-chief, Nikki Brigger, who's a fucking angel sent from the heavens above, and Ali, our former boss. It's literally the dream team. It's the that dream team. That was like team. such a big – my whole – because it's a big, I know it's an incredible honor. It's not like I was like umming and ahhing about doing it, but it, like I just, it made I mean, me it think is like, a lot about. Yeah, it's like going home and, and changing. Yeah, it's yeah, a, it's lot a of huge big change. Things. And um, I just was doing a lot of like, I guess, soul searching about work and the future and what I want work to look like. And I just, it sounds corny, but I, I just do genuinely feel this. Like the, 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 the guiding thing in my life is just having a day-to-day life where you are surrounded by people who are like nice people you, you enjoy spending time with and enjoy working with and like respect that I just think that if you just make that the priority everything else kind of falls into place yeah and um yeah we got a good gang yeah such a great support network Ali's 
Ellie's our podcast mama. She was a listener who just did the New York Marathon. Can you believe? Which is literally insane. And like, no, and her time was crazy. Like her time, she yeah, told me runner. She fucking yep. killed it. Like I think she got like three hours thirty something minutes, and that's very fast. So like to put it into perspective, I would want to run a half. I would I would try and run a half, which is half of that distance, in two hours and less than two hours. So like a full would be like less than four hours would be what I'd be trying to aim for. And she cut like a half hour off that. Like she was fucking wow, killing it. And yeah, so yeah, really, really proud. I love seeing all of the stuff from, I can't believe the New York Marathon. It's just like the most beautiful day ever, even watching it from afar. Yeah. There's something about your friends running marathons. It's just, it's like, I don't know. I just like everyone can rec- like, knows how hard it is to run <laughs> so everyone's like this is such an achievement yeah and all the signs and like I don't know I saw someone propose to someone yeah everyone shows up for their friends like someone was holding a sign being like will you marry me that is crazy and they just ran up yeah it's 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 beyond I think New York goes harder than everywhere else I've I've um I have what's it called to change the subject from your gorgeous job <laughs> no we've, we've exhausted that yeah I've signed up for the um Chicago Marathon next year. Have you really? A full yeah. marathon? Yeah. That is so impressive, Izzy. That's crazy. Why Chicago? Is it? It's just like one of the cool places. So there's like Chicago, New York, and Boston are the three big ones in America. And New York, I think you have to, same with Chicago, you have to enter a lottery. So you don't even know if you're chosen. That's why I was really? surprised Ali got it. Yeah, you can't just, you can't just enter because it's so popular. And I think with Boston, you have to like get in on a certain time. You have to beat a time and a half to be able to get into it. It's like so crazy. Wow. But yeah, doing the half, doing the LA half March 19, and then we'll just keep training. But that's the thing that I just can't be fucked for is like not even running the race. It's the training because the training for a marathon is mental. It's like you're having to run almost a marathon often to be able to do yeah, it yeah, like it's just like long and boring and just like the discipline I think I've said on the pod before that my brother runs like ultra marathons yes. he just ran a hundred a hundred and twenty k run took him like so mental a day like 10 hours he's <laughs> so funny that's your brother I know it's so hard to like he's so disciplined he's he's like so the opposite of me in so many ways it's, it's just amazing and I've said to him so many times like how do you get disciplined in that way but he's just he's like if you actually want to run something like that even like a marathon whatever a long distance run the only way it works is if you literally show up x amount of times a week and actually just go do it yeah you can't you can't cheat it you can't leave it till the last minute you can't like not practice for months and then like days before just go hard like you the only way to do it is like consistency yeah i mean also like amazing the other when i in a couple of months ago I, when I got back from London, um, my friends were going for a run and they were running 17.8K because they were training for a half marathon. And I was just like, I'm just going to come and see how much I can do. And I hadn't run properly. I hadn't run more than like, t- I hadn't run more than 15K in my life. And that was in January. And this is September. Mm. But I do run like two to three times a week, but it's literally like five to seven to 10K max. Anyway, I just ran with them 18K, did it was exhausted well was exhausted but did it but then like almost fucked my leg like, I was like you can't do that shit like you're too old you need mm-hmm. to like train like it's 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 like you might even physically be able to push yourself to do it but like I almost 
screwed up my leg after that. And I was like, you're so dumb. Like, this is why people train for these things. This is, it's just like not a joke to, to go yeah, and put your body through so that true. for two hours. It's a lot to put your body through. And I honestly, I know when you're like 20, your body can get away with stuff, but I don't even think it's so much an age thing. It's just a like body thing. Yeah. Your body oh. needs to be, it's a finely Yeah, you properly machine. have to warm up and stretch, which is the most boring things in the world. So boring. But yeah, I've been doing a, a thing where I've been um, trying to run every morning and just do like 3K because I think I have this other thing with exercise in my head I'm, I'm very like all or nothing and I'll try and you know like if I go for a run I'm like okay well you have to at least run 5k or there's no point in you doing exercise I'm kind of like that with mm-hmm. exercise like I want to like go to a hit class and be dripping in sweat or I'm just like what was the fucking point um mm-hmm. but I've been trying to go on these little cute 3k runs through the streets to this cafe and I'll run there in the morning and then I'll sit and have a coffee by myself and then I'll walk home and it's like that's better than not doing anything and it's such such a nice start to the morning and and like yesterday I did the 3k run sat and had a coffee for like an hour did some emails on my phone was just sitting in the sun by myself and then by the time I stood up and was like ready to go home I was like oh I could just run this like I actually feel like it so then I did six and a half k Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. How good are mornings? I, I feel like becoming, doing a morning routine has quite literally changed my life. An underrated topic is how you spend your morning. Well, yes, but this this is actually quite funny because it's sort of the opposite of my usual morning routines. Usually I'm so strict, as Grace knows, when we first went freelance, I'd be like harassing her to get on the central line into central London by 9am for like a podcast <laughs> prep. I don't even yeah. know, to like talk about our AWD Instagram account or something. Um, which in peak hour is like that rush hour traffic is like hell on earth. Like people like kill each other on the fucking central line. Like it is depraved. Oh my God. It's yeah. And, um, yeah. So I'm usually really strict. Like I have, a, I have a morning alarm that goes off at 7am every morning. And then re- this week I've just been like, dude, just fucking sleep, like sleep if you want to sleep. And then I'm still doing the morning routine, even if it's at, I mean, this is obviously so lucky being freelance and not everyone can do this, but I yeah woke up yesterday at like nine and then instead of being like well now my day's out of whack and now I've got to rush to get to work I was like no go for your run do your 3k run have your coffee walk home 
who gives a fuck if it's 10.30 by that time because you're going to be so much more motivated to work later. You're going to be in a better mood. Like, yeah, protecting that mindset is such a key thing. Not going on Instagram first thing in the morning, not checking my emails first thing gets me into like a mm-hmm. doom spiral. And it's also like you say we're so lucky to do that freelance and that's true, but it's also like you give up. This is the thing I constantly have to remind myself and it's something I'm becoming aware of now as I'm moving into like not being freelance anymore, which is that you give up a lot to have that freedom. Like you give up the security of sick leave and annual leave and superannuation and um, maternity leave and like health insurance. There's a lot of shit, you know what I mean, that you forego to have the right to like sleep in one day if you need to or like know, set your yeah. own timeline and we have so much like guilt around our productivity I still I mean we all struggle with that we've internalized capitalism so much that it terrifies me but no massively like even today I was like I was like okay you just need to work you need to really focus Wednesday Thursday Friday so you can take a weekend this weekend because what I do is I'll like muck around during the days or I'll consider it mucking around for example like it's now 9.14 in the morning. Obviously, this is work, but it like doesn't feel like work. It doesn't feel like work. <laughs> so then, yeah. So then, and then after this, I need to still go for that run because I slipped in. And then I'll be like, mm-hmm. oh, you've mucked around and now it's midday on a Wednesday. And then you have therapy at three and you basically did nothing today. So you have to work on the weekend. And I just work yeah. every weekend. And I'm like, this is so shit and dumb. And you should just take a fucking weekend off. Like, I'll, I'll be like, oh my God, doing AWD. Like, I'm like, what even is there to do? Like, shut up. Uh, it's even today I was like eating um I was oh no I was I wasn't eating I was listening to the air one article oh my god yes. I quite like listening to them um and I was like I need to be doing something else so I was packing like a new batch of AWD merch orders as I was seeing and that was the only way I could relax because listening to an article didn't feel like work even though it literally is work I was like I need to be doing work on top of the work otherwise I'll have that anxious lack of productivity yeah that's what Amar is also like how long distance is hard because we we try and get Mm. on the phone and obviously the time zones are so cursed because you you're on the time zone so it's like 9 a.m london is one of the worst 9 a.m for me 5 p.m for you so like i will Mm -hmm. just wake up his day's ending he wants to chat because it's like 4 p.m 3 p.m which is like a nice time to chat i'm like i've just woken up i'm stressed i need to go for my run i need to do x y and z and then later when i want to chat he's in bed and at the same time like any time we talk ever is during my working day because he's asleep mm-hmm. by the time it's my 3 p.m. So then we'll get on the phone at like one and I'm trying to be present, but he can like hear me like typing or like cleaning the house. Cause work, I'm just like, even. I can't, yeah, I'm like, I, or making lunch. Like I can't sit still mm-hmm. and talk to you right now. Cause I like need to be, I was like furiously like scrubbing the toilet talking to him yesterday. And he was like, oh my God, <laughs> like just trying to like do something at the same time. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, crazy. Yeah. I know, uh, crazy, crazy peas. Should we talk about um, the Era One article? But speaking of the Era One article. Oh my God, I love it. What a fucking I piece. listened to it, then I read it afterwards. Because I was like, I just, this is such a smart and amazing and interesting story. Yes. So Era One, which we've talked about a bazillion times. The way it got into like, just. It, this is in New York magazine, by the way. Is that oh yeah, like sorry. cover story or whatever? A huge New York magazine article on Air One, which is that bougie LA uh, health food store that Hailey Bieber smoothie is at. 
Um, I'm always at. I've got my dinner from, like, literally got my groceries from there last night for dinner. Um, and what was the damage? Tell the truth. I can't even remember. <laughs> I zoned out. <laughs> I literally can't remember. Probably like 40 bucks. I think I got cabbage ricotta and, um, what did I get? I was making Alison Roman's dilly bean stew. Oh, nice. That's so classic. I got, I got like some beans, some cabbage, some ricotta. Some dill, I assume. Some dill. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and this piece, yeah, goes into the crazy cult-like backstory of how Eowon came to be. Uh, and also just the way it the way it really tapped into the vibe around the supermarket was was so spot on. So it said, you know, your LA friends will roll their eyes at Erwan, you know, like, I'm just like, which is so funny. Cause I'm like, I'm not even an Erwan enthusiast. Like I think it's overpriced. Like I think the people that go there are wankers, but yet I'm just there. And then they said, but they also have a $200 a year membership, which I have. And then it was like, your New York friends will come as a joke, but they will come and their money is just as real. Like people go there to be like joking about how expensive a smoothie is, but they're still buying the fucking smoothie. I was going to say, when I read that, I thought that's probably the majority of the one clientele like even even people i know who go to la to get the smoothie again to post it as content which i've seen a lot which is a Mm. very funny interesting part of this which we'll talk Mm -hmm. about but it's almost always ironic or jokey or eye-rolly or making fun of it that's the amount of people that would actually go in and be like yeah i just love this activated seaweed that's 38 dollars. that's like no one that's basically their business model (laughs) by accident yes yeah, exactly. And then they, they like lean into that as well, which is, they just did a, co- a smoothie collab with Tinks. That girl. Tinks. <laughs> I forgot about Tinks. I know. I forgot about her too until I saw her like witchy woo smoothie or something. I was like, sounds I good. She got canceled. The comeback smoothie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so zoned out. I don't even know what she got canceled for. But um, yeah, this either. is like, wait, you tell, you tell the backstory. Okay, so the backstory is it's this. I'm going to get their names up. I should have them. The backstory is, which is so fascinating, because if I had to guess, I would guess that Air One was created by like a totally cynical white, uh, what's the word? Like bright white corporate rooms, venture capital fund that said, we need to capitalize on the healthy food thing. And it was just created by some corporate machine. And the absolute opposite of what I ever imagined it would be <laughs> was the actual story of the founders. So Aveline Yokoyama um, arrived in 1951 to America and she was basically sent by this kind of <laughs> cult-like leader in Japan called George Osawa to meet a man called Michio Kushi, who she ended up marrying and having children with. Um, she arrived speaking no English, um, basically didn't even know. She was trying to get to Chicago, I think, and she just ended up. She like got off the, the bus at the wrong stop. She got off in Omaha. Yeah, it was, she was just completely fish out of water. Um, and she had come to meet this this guy that this kind of, I don't know. I don't know if you would call him a, a cult figure. But he was like yeah. a guru. of A like, guru, yeah. And he'd written books about. Uh, macrobiotic diets right yes so he was a big believer in 
and this is, I guess, what's very interesting about it. This big believer in food as medicine and this idea that food could solve a lot of health problems. And it was the macrobiotic diet. And a lot of the stuff that he pushed has later been proved to be crazy, but a lot of it has actually later been proved to be <laughs> correct. correct. Um, and she arrived in America and met this man and they had children. And she basically, they started this kind of version of this sect, which doesn't have a name in America. And they, cause it was the late fifties, early sixties, they started to find a really big community of like the hippie generation who were really interested in pushing back against hyper-processed corporatized American foods and who wanted to live off the land and blah, blah, blah. So they kind of created the first air one as a like small kind of hippie granolery San Franny <laughs> health food store, except that it was in, what was it like Boston or about like somewhere unexpected yeah boston um on the east coast and actually took a long time for it to end up in la um and it went through bankruptcy and it went through like all these crazy periods of they were like investigated by the fda <laughs> yeah it went through all these crazy different owners um and yeah what's so crazy about the macrobiotic diet thing is that like what was what were they saying with some people dying it's quite crazy. So it said here, oh yeah. So like Sanpaku means. Oh yeah, the guy said that he, the um, original guy, the guru guy, basically said that he could tell by how white someone's eyes were whether or not they would die like a violent death. Yes. And he named a bunch of people, and they were like a bunch of them turned out to be correct. It was like JFK and who was the other big one? Marilyn Monroe. And the way you can cure that is through your eating. So the book advises increasing salt, severely restricting liquids. Women should urinate twice a day max and chewing every mouthful 50 times. A 24-year-old woman on the Lower East Side, Beth Ann Simon, thought perhaps she was too sanpaku, possibly anorexic. She put herself on an extremely strict macrobiotic diet, wrote to Oshawa and ignored the advice of her alarmed family. She dropped more and more weight and eventually she died. Like That's so really wild. Sad. So sad. I mean, that's that's just evidence, I guess, of something that continues to be true today, which is like if you have disordered eating, you will just use any like health food trend as an excuse to yeah. like further restrict yourself. Um, but <laughs> And how like the American hippies would arrive from the West Coast and they'd live in the vicinity of like they all kind of started living like in an area together and then they'd become speaking like with broken English. Yeah. <laughs> the American hippies. <laughs> Let's start copying the broken English Japanese. Well, that was an interesting thing where they said that the broken Japanese would call pizza, pizza pie, pizza pie. Like that was the thing. And I, I wondered if that's how that just became a thing in America. But pizza maybe pie. <laughs> yeah. It's a weird thing that people say there. Yeah. Claimed the diet cured AIDS. Yeah. So this is what was, I mean, iconic in the, you know, with the benefit of hindsight obviously quite troubling at the time but her husband um or the yeah the the George Oshawa guy which her and her husband promoted believed that like meat and salmon and like all of these bizarre things were terrible for you and you should never eat them but believed that smoking was natural and organic <laughs> so yeah. all these people that were on the diet like died of lung cancer and they would just say it was from something else so it just shows you any sort of cult-like thinking is just 
crazy. But I guess back then they didn't have the basis of science. You know what I mean? It was all just going off vibes. Yeah. Vibes and feelings. It says as well in the piece that Erwan is one of those phenomena that is ever present if you're tuned in and invisible if you are not. Isn't that just isn't that just a grocery store? Asked a friend who has lived in LA all his all her life. No, it's not, and has never been just a grocery store. It exists within and has always occupied a space between commerce and cold, which is so true. And then talking about just how like, yeah, the vibes in there. One one thing I found quite interesting was the person who said in New York, you're like exhausted by the time you get home. You've been on public transport all day. You've bumped into like 50,000 people. You've been social, you've been out. Whereas in LA, it's like the complete opposite. You're kind of in your house, you're in your car. You can kind of avoid seeing people for the most part. Um, And so going into Air One kind of feels like this community space and that's kind of what they've like fostered. And that was fascinating to me because it makes so much sense, but I hadn't thought about it that way at all. But like, why do so many people congregate in this space? It's obviously designed in this really beautiful, specific way to make it enjoyable being in there. Um, But yeah, that idea that in Los Angeles, where people can go days and days and days without accidentally brushing past a person or even without kind of seeing people Mm -hmm. that there's some way you can go and feel surrounded by people. Yeah. Cause I was thinking that last night, like I was like, why did I go to Irwan to get that stuff and not to a different Mm -hmm. supermarket? And it's funny because I was, I was, I was just like in London, I would just go to the closest Tesco, but it's cause you don't have a car. So you just Mm -hmm. go to Tesco, even though it's depraved. And here I have like a Ralph's at the end of my corner. It's only like a five minute walk away, but Ralph's just feels so sad. And I also don't like, I don't know. It's like such a, there's such a like supermarket thing here. And Whole Foods, Whole Foods feels gross too. Like it's too big, too supermarkety. I don't like it in there. And Air One just feels nice. It's just like a nice store to go into, but I wouldn't go there to like buy proper groceries usually ever. The only reason I did last night was because I was buying like two things. That was another fascinating thing that I loved about this story was that it's purposefully, the store is purposefully designed. So it's almost whatever, floor to ceiling shelves. It's intentional that you can't reach certain products. So you have to get someone on the staff to help you, which I hate the idea of personally. I think I hate asking people for help, but I, um, but it's, always it's designed to always be so fully staffed that if you ever need to grab something there will be someone like next to you nearby who smiles and says I can do it and the idea that that is the ultimate luxury now is to walk into a store and actually get served I was like that is so fucking true Mm. it's crazy yeah having someone actually be attentive and say how can I help you today that's like luxurious now And they were also talking about how much they nailed it with realizing that snacking was the thing that was coming back. So it's like, we don't want those huge big bins of barley Mm -hmm. that we're going to take home and cook. And in Erwan, the whole thing, like the the thing that they would make most of their money off, the thing that regular people who aren't the 1% go there to spend money on is you walk in and there's the hot counter, which has hot plates. So you could get, so you get like a three thing hot plate. And you get like salmon and then two sides. So you could get buffalo cauliflower or you could get um, Mighty Greens, which is like this delicious broccoli and bok choy mix. And you can have that for dinner or they have amazing chicken, like whatever. That, there's also ready-made salads. They have like breakfast burritos. They have wraps. They have 
so they've sushi they've so much stuff that you just walk in and grab and it's all high quality and it's all delicious and it's all healthy um so they've really like nailed that healthy food very quickly thing and then you, yeah if you feel and then if you feel like a little treat they have the most amazing array of like very very healthy delicious snacks including that raw cinnamon roll i can't get enough of and then yeah the smoothies they just it's it's that vibe that you walk in and you're like oh i could get so someone can grab a smoothie if they feel like a smoothie someone can grab what it, it has everything and it's all delicious and it, whereas other supermarkets obviously if you wanted to go in to even grab lunch like what are you gonna do how are you gonna grab a ready-made lunch at tesco yeah exactly and i guess that's where it becomes like a class thing again it's like if 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 you're willing to spend that much money on mm-hmm. a lunch plate or a smoothie or a snack or whatever then and that i think that's a very interesting part of this article is which the writer ties in so well at the end is this this luxury which is a class thing of time like the fact that people go in there usually have time to wait 20 25 minutes for a smoothie that usually they were like Hollywood execs or studio heads in the early iterations of Air One where they'd go and just talk to the guy who made the smoothies for 30, 40 minutes and they'd end up telling him their problems and he'd talk to them and make them specialist hand-brewed smoothies and sometimes they would cost as much as $400 with the ingredients he was like (laughs) putting in them. But that is such a specific type of like hyper-luxury 1% thing. And I think that's what this comes back to is that air one is for the rich basically it you know it's yeah, some no. people who go there are super rich some people aren't and just buy like one or two cheaper things but the but you, you want the proximity to this idea that like true health has to be really expensive um yeah it's it's yeah i mean it's, it's quite crazy like i won't i don't go there yeah for lunch like, I wouldn't just go, I just, yeah, try to avoid it as much as possible. Also, the funny, the other funny thing that they point out in the thing is I don't get smoothies from there ever because their smoothies are not healthy. <laughs> like, the Hailey, like, some of the stuff there is really healthy, but the smoothies, like, Hailey Bieber's smoothie is literally, like, strawberry syrup and yogurt <laughs> mixed up with cream, coconut cream. Like, it is, it is, like not healthy in any way they put some sea moss gel in it and shit like that but that thing is bad for you i remember bella hadid's just having like a pint of orange juice orange juice in it i was like that's crazy yeah (laughs) so if i'm gonna go if i'm gonna spend money on a smoothie i'll go to somewhere that's i'll go to like sun life which is which is packed with like nutrients and really really healthy or i'll make it at home but it's quite funny yeah that vibe of thing because she was just saying it's like i can't even remember what she said i pulled it out but the smoothies are just dressed up like crap basically yeah it's it's health as and what's sinister and black mirrory about it is that in america in particular more than anywhere in the world health is literally the ultimate privilege like mm. you need money to just have like basic run-of-the-mill health and then to add to that the role that nutrition and food plays in like feeling healthier and being healthier is so massive and air one is just i think the pinnacle of that idea that again i i don't think it's like people who just shopped at air one would be healthier than people that don't but it's it gives that veneer of if you could only afford this 
blah 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 get CMOS gel For or sure. something then you will be like a Hailey Bieber you will like I've glow from CMOS the inside out from them. yeah I mean <laughs> those health food stores you just walk in and you walk out and you're like what happened yeah yeah so the name Air One I thought it was nowhere backwards but it's not it's a anagram of nowhere comes from a book by Samuel Butler called Air One and it's a satirical book about a society in which sick people are sentenced to prison. I know. <laughs> and if you get illness, you um, – so, like, the character is wrongly accused of having, like, appendicitis or something and has to go on the run. It's really funny. But um, that was uh, the name of the book that Avaline, the founder, chose. And it's very clear from a memoir that she wrote that that was very intentional because that – was kind of her sense of the wor- world based off that guru. Yeah, that like they weren't healthy even... Healthy people are... Yeah, <laughs> superior. Yeah, like if you're sick, it's your fault because you're not doing the things mm-hmm. that you should be doing, which is still a thing that's so prevalent today, I think, yeah. in a in a under-the-surface way. Yeah, for sure. It's crazy. People feel like it's the health... What do they call it? Like health policing thing. There's this sense that like... Yeah, I mean, uh, is that true? I think that is true. It's true with people who are, like, you know, overweight. There's this real, like, judgmental health policing thing around that. I don't think if, like, someone you know gets cancer, anyone is like, what did they do wrong? But I do think there's this sense that, like, link between being healthy and morality or something. Yeah. Well, they were even, they were saying there was a shame or guilt attached to people developing cancer in in these circles, which I can so see um, being a thing. But yeah, how like yeah, going back to how the extent of Erwan invites our mockery is is part of its strength, and like how someone put on TikTok, "Oh, you don't buy your eggs in a circle." Asked someone on TikTok holding six Erwan eggs in a round package. Go back to Whole Foods. Or like if you if your annual income is five hundred thousand dollars a year, Whole Foods is that way because it's not enough money. <laughs> God, it's so American, isn't it? It is so ridiculous. So crazy. And even that, we're all so. I mean, when I hear like eggs in a circle, I'm like, I want that. That's just my knee jerk reaction, and mm-hmm. it's so dumb. Mm-hmm. But I just. It's so easy. It's really too easy for them well, to yeah. sucker in morons like us. Yeah. Like, I mean, I went there the other day. I went for a run or a walk. I can't remember. And I got to Air One and I was just going to buy a coffee. And I never, like, I literally never buy their smoothies because I know that I can make a better, better for me smoothie at home and that tastes just as delicious for literally like a dollar. And then I was just mm-hmm. standing there watching all these cute people buying smoothies for their breakfast. And I was like, I want a little treat. And then just left with like a, a coffee and a smoothie. He couldn't even hold them. And it was like 30 US dollars. And I was like, but you're walking home right now. You could just make this. But I just saw the I saw the girls with them. And I was like, a beautiful yeah. little treat. It's like Treat it's Central. It's not as fun. That place. Treat Central. And it's very, um, it's very, like, I know you would not like tiktok yourself getting a smoothie but like that like it's very contenty like people you see stuff and it's immediate and quick and then you want to get that yourself and then when you get it you feel like you're part of this whatever it is tribe 
Yeah, it's that the it's that peop, it's that their content that reinforces the treat in your head, because people are celebrating mm-hmm. having it. So you're yeah. like, well, I want yes. that treat. Yeah. Yeah, and want you're like, treat. yeah, and you and people on TikTok try the expensive products to to talk about how expensive they are and whether they were worth it, but in the end, they're still buying it. Yeah, and so the cycle continues. <laughs> My favorite place in the world. <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, it feels so uniquely LA that I'm. Yes. They, they said like, um, we are going to launch in New York. We are going to launch in New York, and I, I imagine it will do well anywhere it is. But I would be very interested to see how well it does in places outside of LA. There's something great about it just being in LA. That's what I mean. It feels so uniquely LA because of those fact. This is what I'm saying. Like it feels so uniquely LA because of those factors, like the influences and the content curation and how, how like LA vibesy it is. But then you walk in and you're like, oh shit, <laughs> it's got all the good stuff. Like then you just spend your money. Yeah. So that's what I mean. Like it just yeah. does do well. Cause you go in to be like, what is this shit place where all these influencers come? And like, what's the big deal about it anyway? I can just go to a different supermarket. And then you're like, wow, a raw cinnamon roll? What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, they just, they fucking get you. They do a good job. Like they actually do. They have, they have all of the most amazing like non-alcoholic. You go into like down one aisle and the, the amount of ca- cans is such a huge thing. I don't know if it's a huge thing where you are but there's such a big thing here everyone has canned drinks all the time so like canned non-alcoholic yeah. sodas olipops like canned um non-alcoholic aperol spritzes i bought two of them from ear one yesterday and then put them in a so nice yeah and so they you go down an aisle and you're like oh all of these this incredible non-alcoholic drinks or like these amazing the best seltzers in the market like they just they get the girls man They get the girls. I have to say, I went to a work dinner last night for a brand called Wild Idol, which is a new non-alcoholic like champagne and champagne rosé brand. And like the bottle is so, the the bottle is so beautiful and they've like figured out how to make it so that when it pops, it fizzes. Like you literally feel like you're drinking champagne. So nice. And it tastes, obviously it's like, doesn't taste exactly like champagne because it's non-alcoholic, but it like tastes really good for non-alcoholic. And I was just thinking like, because I drank that at dinner, so I just you feel like you're having a boozy fun time and chatting, but then you leave and you feel completely fine. And I was like, this really is the future. Like yeah. I, I would rather the biggest thing that stops me from not drinking when I go out on a weeknight or even on weekends sometimes is just the feeling that it's so boring to have a glass of water or like a diet coke. If you could literally order something that looks fun and feels fun and tastes nice, mm-hmm. the alcohol's just like I don't know, 5% of it. It's not really necessary most of the time. And then it makes it special when you do do it and it's really fun, but it, it, like you don't need to do it four nights a week. Yeah. When I had the month off, I was like, I didn't need it any of these nights apart from like two when I was exhausted and so sick of like being outside and just needed a little pick-me-up or felt just a thing. But also like you could probably recontextualize your brain to not even think of it in that way. You're, or like I needed to lean on the alcohol for my personality a bit. But other than that, yeah, I was getting yeah. like virgin margaritas. Yeah. And like having a great time. There's a one called Non actually that's uh, Australian. Non, non, non-alcoholic non wine and it's delicious. They have like an orange one. Amazing. 
yeah, I'm going to get, I think I'm going to explore. Yeah. When you, when you lean into that, like that's again, air one. Like last night, my oh. friend was coming around for dinner and instead of buying us alcohol, I bought two of the non-alcoholic Aperol spritzes and an orange mm-hmm. and cut the orange up, put ice in a glass and poured them in. And it felt like we were having a drink before dinner. Yeah, it still feels fun and special. I yeah. think that's the thing about not drinking is it doesn't feel special. And you're like, I want to feel special. <laughs> special. <laughs> okay, <laughs> with that, we must Dumbest go. Dumbest girl in London. And I want to feel special. <laughs> First issue of Elle. A bottle of non-alcoholic <laughs> wine on the cover. Okay, bye, girlies. Bye. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.